Welcome to another episode of the Third Space Podcast. This is Bennett, and I'm here after a long break since our last episode. I didn't realize, but it's probably been six weeks or something since episode 23 of the Third Space Podcast. Uh, The reason for that, as you probably suspect, is the holidays. Um, Daniel and I, we actually plan to have an in-person, live, or whatever, podcast over the holidays, but it just never happened. We couldn't find the time. Um, But, fear not, we have another episode here, uh, and it's a good one. Uh, In this episode, we talk about some little things here and there at the beginning, kind of fun, not very important. Uh, Then we launch into a superpowers and drawbacks, one of my favorite segments, uh, high power level this time. And then our main subject of discussion is on the anthropomorphization of animals. Um, And we talk a little bit about the psychology behind it, um, make some guesses. Uh, I probably come off sounding like I hate animals, but I don't. Animals are pretty cool. Uh, So I hope you enjoy that topic. hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Don't forget, you can always reach us at mail.thirdspace at gmail.com. It's very professional because it's a Gmail address. Uh, we're also on YouTube, so feel free to listen at your pleasure there, if that's your preferred method of listening to podcasts. And without further ado, I'll let Daniel take it away. Welcome Hello. to Third Space. Thank you. Bro, this time, wait, welcome, let me, you, you kind of threw me with your hello. I, I, pretend, I am on Third Space. Welcome to Third Space. This episode brought to you by First Space and Second Space. Without you... We wouldn't be here. Hey, that's not bad. That's hey, pretty good. Yeah. You know, I, I despite my interruptions, uh, <laughs> it turned out all right. Actually, you know, I'm kind of observing your transition from jingling to like, like, like broadcast sloganing, and I don't know. I, I think you're really broadening your horizons. Well, I, you know, I was thinking I got a pair of shoes over the weekend, all birds, and they're really light. And then I thought, ah, man, it'd be awesome if they they were sponsored or if I had a product thing. And then I thought, that's crappy. I don't really want that either. And then I thought, (laughs) oh, brought to you by. And then then first and second space popped in my head. And then I thought we we like would be I'd be like, mine's first space and yours is second. You'd say, no, mine's first and yours is second. And then it'd be a stupid debate that wouldn't really go anywhere. That would be funny. It would be funny if we were funny like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of shoes did you get? Auburn's, like the school, your favorite uh, football team? All birds. Um, All birds. Birds don't even wear shoes. Yes, but, well, they're they're light as a feather, I suppose. I don't know if that's their, what they're going for. They're very plain shoes. If you're in the market for just a, I need an all, like an everyday casual shoe that, um, that, you don't have to wear socks with them. They're soft enough to not wear socks. They're machine washable and they're very, very light. And they're just, they're not going to uh, turn eyes and they're going to be, oh, look at those shoes. They're just good for jeans, shorts. I find that shoes. Why do you and, have them then? If they're um, not going to turn eyes, why bother? <laughs> I actually don't don't have a pair of just weekend shoes like all of my stuff are like these high tech or you know these cole huns like yeah sort of like i mean <laughs> you know stretch they're, they're silly hydrophobic shoes. Shoes. they're not silly they're just they're comfortable and nice and kind of classy and you could wear them with a tie leather. or a suit you know um <laughs> char grilled leather <laughs> sun-dried rubber soles <laughs> and th- these are just the fabric is nice they're well made and they've been 
they've been getting trendy and popular. Uh, mm. That makes so there's 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 your That's answer. Why. Yeah. But that you know, and they're responsibly sourced and da 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 da. But uh, but I'm they're not really good in the market. Shoes. I'm not really so. in the market for shoes at the moment. I just wear tennis shoes or flip flops, and I'm I'm satisfied with both of those that I have. And this fits in so. that tennis. Sho- this is a tennis shoe. This is. It's just mm. if, when yours go bad or something, I don't know. And they're at the hundred dollar price range, so they're not like exor- You know ridiculously I mean, expensive but you, you say they're expensive. tennis shoes can you actually play tennis in them because um i believe yeah you could do anything with them they're sort uh, of the, they have ones that are bent toward running and they're all purpose and i feel like i've uh, it's funny do people is that common do people say tennis shoes still yeah i think i so. mean like tennis shoes like i'm gonna buy a pair of, like why why did tennis i would not say is the most popular people walk a lot more than they play tennis you think it'd be walking shoes um or right. or just all-purpose shoes or just regular shoes but right but right tennis is what we landed on for tennis the all-purpose shoes. shoe yeah i don't uh, that's actually i don't know why that is maybe in the history of shoe development like you know tennis that they like some shoe company made a tennis shoe and it caught the world by storm and everyone thought it was fashionable to just wear tennis shoes and that's what the term became i'd like Even to know, now, like, was it reebok you know, you know did reebok make the first tennis shoe and it, i don't know everyone could, bought it could be maybe what, what were they wearing before like clogs you know those pilgrim shoes with wooden, buckles on them wooden they were clogs. wooden clogs yeah <laughs> i think that's what came before tennis shoes and then tennis shoes came out and they're like oh this is so much better we should we should do this <laughs> hey i've got a uh, i've got a fashion question for you that uh that i thought of over the holidays um okay so why is it that shirts if they have stripes they're always horizontal stripes. Like, why don't you ever see vertical stripes or diagonal stripes or, you know, angled stripes, any other kind of stripes? It's just always horizontal stripes. Why is that? Um, well, uh, I think the, the question's flawed a little bit because you can see horizontal stripe dress shirts. They're a little bit more rare. Um, but yes, I, I'll agree that predominantly horizontal Um and a couple of things I, I don't I don't really know. I think trends are cyclical, and that might just be what's going on right now. Well, I mean, have uh, you ever seen a diagonal striped shirt? Oh, diagonal? No, it's either horizontal or vertical. And I have seen. In fact, I'll see that horizontal. You know, people say it can make you look wider, uh, and that's desirable or undesirable depending on. I mean, well, it, I don't it, understand what that has to do with race. Um, wider. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only white people wear wi- wi- stripes. <laughs> wider with a D. <laughs> oh. Like larger, I suppose. And, and, so, and so horizontal makes you look wider? That's the idea. It makes yeah. you look like... I thought it seems to me like a vertical would make you look wider. Vertical would make you look thinner, like having these things just... Like, well, it seems like it would accentuate your rat- rotundity, you know, like with a vertical line... If you see it, it doesn't look quite so vertical when it's going over your paunch, you know? <laughs> paunch. Well, I, yeah, okay. I mean, that will, you're bringing up all sorts of questions that I'm trying to figure out which ones to dive into. I mean, you're, if someone has a big old belly and then they have a v- vertical lines and it uh-huh. would accentuate their, their distortion. But right. the, the problem with, um, I'll just say like fat people. Oh, don't and, stop. And, you can't say that. Oh, it's offensive. Um, uh, people of girth. So people of girth, uh, like whatever that you're gonna wear, is it? 
it's just difficult. Uh, like, like looking good. It, it's almost funny. Like you should, you don't put your energies into the clothes like yet, you know, just go ahead and wear, like try and be not as, as noticeable as possible and then go lose weight. I don't I'm sounding really mean here. I'm judgy. I just mean that if you are, if you are bigger than you ought to be. So in some ways you could even say distorted, <laughs> then, <laughs> then your clothes, like, they're, they're, you're either going to just like cover up and hide as much as you can, so it's going to be baggy by necessity. If you got some form-fitting thing and you're big, then that's not, you know, that's not the greatest look. And so, so, for, for, so lines get distorted. Um, mm. So lines, regardless of the direction they're going, they get this. It, it accentuates that. So, um, so, so, yeah. So okay, so that that makes sense, but I, I still don't understand then why horizontal lines are preferred over vertical are you just saying that it's a fat it's simply arbitrary fashion I, at the moment i suspect it's arbitrary fashion at the moment yeah okay um but i you're right that so, i've never seen diagonal come into fashion right so uh, maybe there's maybe that's an unfilled market maybe we need to put out the third space podcast diagonal dress shirt i like this idea well if, if you think about even just home decor and you think about clean lines oftentimes like if you just walk in any home and your lines are created actually it's a sign when you see things like perfect squares that you're not in nature and we see lots of squares in you know you just don't see squares or perfect lines you only see them in like artificial ways and constructions that we've made and so and and typically you walk in and whether it's the screen you're looking at or your couch to some degree even if it's a rounded couch it's still vertical and horizontal lines you don't have a lot of diagonal yeah we like to put things on a grid yeah that's really it and the grid is not diagonal i mean it can right. be i suppose but uh, but it's not and so maybe it, maybe they're just tapping into something like going, that's not that pleasing or it's a bit off um hmm. yeah hey, that's, that's uh your uh your girlfriend is painting one of your walls an accent wall you call it right i don't know if she's completed that yet but you should consider diagonal lines i like that idea or at least yeah, a, some part of it, it so yeah because even if it's just one accent, the accent wall has an accent diagonal in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that, that was just a question that occurred to me. Um, but for our actual uh, starter this time, I want to do a superpowers and drawbacks. How does this that is my favorite. You? It's probably my Good. favorite. Uh, I'm going to pretend it's a fan favorite, too. Yeah. <laughs> sure. No, I, I really enjoy it too. Um, uh, although I did enjoy, I enjoyed this or that last time. So, uh, but anyway, so this time I've got, we're, we're going to turn up the power level. We're going to go with a uh, power level six out of 10. Um, oh, is this the highest yet? I think we, we did a six once before. Um, but uh, actually, let me, I'm going to look out of curiosity. We did a five before. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the highest we've ever gone. We've never done a six before. Nice. So these are going to be pretty powerful. I'm excited about it. All right, so the first superpower, uh, just to remind people how this works, I'm going to present two superpowers and two drawbacks, and you can you can choose to take one of the superpowers, but if you do, you have to take one of the drawbacks. Yes. Um, and you can just choose to walk away and not take anything, I guess, if you want to be really lame. Um so, all right, the first superpower that you have is called Somnificent. 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 So, for this one, 
while you sleep, you can put your body on autopilot and it'll do mundane tasks uh, that require no interaction. So things like washing dishes, paying bills, uh, vacuuming, exercise, things like that. Um, and can I so read you, papers? Sorry. I, just... um, I would say no. Okay. Uh, Something no. that requires a lot of mental acuity is not going to be yeah, for this. It's not going to work. Just kind of rote tasks, basic, basic reasoning skills. Um, okay. Something that you might be able to do while, you know, while like sleepwalking. You know, you can imagine opening a door or grabbing a tool and doing a basic action. I'm getting well. Re- I'm getting rested during this, though. Yes. Like, yeah. When no. you uh, when you wake up in the morning, you're just as mentally well rested as you would be with a normal night's sleep. Got um, it. Now you may be physically tired, depending on what actions you know you made your body do um, while you were sleeping. If you chose to exercise, you might be sore in the morning, but you would still be mentally well rested. Somnificent. Somnificent. Okay, that's the first. <clears throat> the second is called Evacuation Expert. Um, so for this one, you gain the ability to teleport your waste products from within your body to any location in sight within a 30-foot radius. Say that one more time. So you gain the ability to teleport your waste products, so your poop and your pee or whatever, from inside your body. You can teleport them out of your body Anywhere within a 30-foot radius that you can see. (laughs) I'm hard-pressed to explore the benefits of this. Uh, Well, I'll think about it in a moment. (laughs) I'd rather hear them all and then really unpack and ask more questions. Uh, With that one, you can still use the bathroom like normal if you want to. Okay. (laughs) Um, You don't have have to teleport your crap everywhere but and you you have to see it like i couldn't i couldn't be somewhere else and then teleport it to a toilet 30 yards away i can't see it it's in a room somewhere you know the bathroom's closed off always so rarely is a toilet visible from non-toilet you know non-restroom using experiences that's true you know if you want to restrict yourself to that tired old trope of putting your crap in a toilet (laughs) um all right, so you've been presented with you've got your two superpower options, but to take one of those, you have to take one of these drawbacks. So the first drawback is called anti Midas touch. Um, so okay. for this one, your palms exude glitter. Uh, the amount of glitter is similar to if you were to place your hands, uh, palms down on a plate of glitter and let it stick to your skin. That's how much glitter just is constantly replenishing out of your hands skin i hate and it's that and it's gold colored that's why it's called the anti-midas touch because it's, <laughs> it's like a I curse like kind of a curse like you, that. you could it, weirdly you could say this to like a six-year-old and they'd be like this is a drawback you know yeah really a kid that loves glitter. so cool i'm sparkly <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so that's it that's very uh very straightforward uh and then the fourth one and, and one of my favorite ones on the entire list that I thought of months ago and I've been waiting to use is called SHED, S-H-E-D. It's an acronym. Okay, tell me. And it's, it stands for Suddenly Hairless Erectile Dysfunction. <laughs> so okay, for, what happened? For this one, I'm scared to ask. For this one, anytime you get your sexuality aroused, <laughs> <clears throat> your skin releases its grip on all of your external hair and it all falls out. Wait, every time you get an erection, you lose all your hair? Yeah, every time you get sexually aroused, all your hair falls out. All of it. 
except for like all of your external hair. So like your nose hairs and ear hairs and stuff, they don't fall out. But your eyebrows, your head hair, arm hair, leg hair, all your hair falls out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you'd have to basically uh, just deal with being bald, but it growing back. And if you, you know, it would grow back, but oh my gosh. Bennett, okay, let me get this right. (laughs) Somnificent. I can do basic tasks while sleeping and still get a good rest, which sounds pretty freaking excellent. Right. What'd you call the the evacuation expert? Yeah, evacuation expert. (laughs) You can remove feces and and urine and any other excrement, I guess, um, within 30 yards or so. 30 feet. Uh, 30 feet. Um, no, you know what? 30 yards. I'm feeling <laughs> whoa, generous. Whoa, that changes everything. I'm feeling generous. 30 yards. Uh, anti-Midas touch, glitter, just perpetual glitter kind of uh, uh, falling from my hands. And then um, shed. suddenly hairless erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, called shed. <laughs> okay, um, if I... <laughs> Let me let me reason through. Actually, I want to go through the drawbacks for a moment. Usually, I start with the the pros, but so I hate glitter. My immediate reaction is horrified uh, with the glitter. But if you can deal with it, it's not particularly. It's not harming anything. You just have to deal with glitter in your life. Like if you, it, my my question is, would I be able to normalize? I just got glitter everywhere. If I can accept that and get over it, then then I then I get this awesome superpower. And I don't have to, like, I mean, you know, I just, I've already accepted the gold, so no drawback there. Well, you probably have to deal with whatever the ramifications are of eating a lot of glitter. I I imagine it's going to be pretty difficult to avoid consuming or breathing in glitter. It means putting gloves on every time, and that would be very annoying, like, because, I mean, there are ways around, I could try these gloves that, you know, start to fill up and then dump them and... And even if I'm doing that, that's like, oh, I found a loophole. But not really, because putting gloves on every for, forever is annoying. And so, right. um, so like that might be a strategy I attempt, like sincerely. Uh, and, and also, I was just thinking new relationships. I mean, I if I met a person, they seemed pretty cool and nice or whatever, but they were going to get glitter on everything, and I had to deal with that. Oh. I would just go, nah, like <laughs> absolutely not. Even <laughs> yeah, if would... they could, even if they could like distance poop, like. I'm not putting up with glitter everywhere. <laughs> I have no... I'm trying to think of the benefits of evacuation expert. What What? What are your thoughts? What are you going to do with that? Like, you don't have to spend time in the restroom. There's some plus. Uh, there's a plus. You can do some funny things to people. But, like, I'm not I'm not a big prankster. Where I, and I'm particularly... If I do pranks or anything like that, I like to be in the friendly category. And when feces are introduced, you're no longer in the friendly category. You know, you've got you've, you've crossed a line. Um, um, well, uh, I think it's mostly a convenience power. Um, so you, you you wouldn't necessarily have. Well, let's be clear. You could be an amazing prankster. You could be like a super villain <laughs> with this power. Um, yeah, and. So, you know, that that has some draw to it, uh, but but also, you know, there's plenty of convenience. You know, like you say, um, it may be in most places you can't just see the toilet, but you could pretty easily. You know, you could be just taking a step, 
and take a step, peer out, look into the bathroom. If, if again, you want to, if you want your poop to go in the toilet, then you could just look. And go, oh, there it is, and teleport your poop out into the toilet, and there you go. You didn't have to do anything. Um, or you know, if you're just if you're really lazy and you're looking out the window, well, you know, there you go. Look out the window into the grass or whatever, and just zoop, send your poop out there. If you camped a lot. Um, yeah, that could, could be, be very that could useful. be nice. Um, right. I mean, it could save you from, like, uh, you know, if you have really unpleasant, like, diarrhea or something, then, you know, you don't have to go spend all of that unpleasant time sitting on the toilet. You can just get it out of you, and also, it's no I'm, longer a problem. I just realized I'm going to assume farts count in this evacuation. They must. And I could, yeah, I, and so right. now I can avoid any embarrassing fart, or I could even... Uh, this is where I would gladly and quietly do that to people, <laughs> like throw my fart in their face and they'd have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty pleasant. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, well, I don't want to criticize your scale, but putting that at a six, um, even I guess it's it's magical, so it's up the magic factor, but it's but it's uh, the attractive. I'm almost thinking of them in terms of how, how extraordinary they are and how attractive they are likely to be and i don't find this superpower particularly attractive to be honest um but the somnificent uh basic tasks i want to explore this a bit more so i get why i couldn't grade papers um could i go grocery shopping yes i would say yes like fill up my gas tank but but you would have to if if you were grocery shopping and didn't have a list or you had to think about what ingredients you need or something like that, then I would say that's probably too complex and you might like wake I, up. I have to have uh, a list. I could have a list ready for myself that I already yes. made consciously. Yes. Could yeah. I drive in terms of like road trips and say, all right, because this, this is a major question. Can I drive? Because, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I would say kind of similar to grocery shopping, if you have a you know straight boring interstate drive and there's not a lot of uh you know not a lot of thought or navigation yeah. involved or traffic or any unusual circumstance then yes you could manage it um but otherwise it, it could be a little dangerous um the way the way i'm imagining this working is <clears throat> you know if you are in the middle of your routine, you know, you're, you're asleep and your body's doing whatever. And then you encounter a situation that is surprising. Then you kind of like wake up drowsily and, you know, and now, now you're conscious, but you've interrupted your sleep. Okay. So if I'm going on a road trip, a six hour road trip, if, if assuming it's all on interstate and it was a smooth ride, then I can sleep through that. If it, for some reason, if we come across this weird traffic and, and construction, yes. then I'm kind of having to wake up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, can I work out? Can I set up like, here's yes, my workout definitely. routine and just do that? Yes. That's one of the ones I intended it to be used for. Yeah. That's very attractive, right? Um, I cannot read books, I'm assuming. Atta- obtaining new knowledge, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could put your body through the motions, but you wouldn't remember what you read. Perhaps I could study stuff I've already studied and, and review it during my sleep. But that because uh, does that that's a weird question. <laughs> um, I would say that it's probably not going to be very effective. Uh, you could try it slightly I guess. better I just... than not. Uh, yeah, than not doing it. But yeah, I get what you're. It's just yeah, that doesn't really fit into the spirit of this. No. Um, any other questions about somnificent? 
Um, hmm. Okay. Now let's get the shed. Suddenly, hairless erectile dysfunction. That's another one. If you just sort of, first of all, it's funny to think the first time it would happen, and if people wouldn't know, they would just think, "Oh my God, what's happening to you?" As your hair just falls out. But if you had that alone, and people accepted that you are indeed hairless, because let's say minimum, this is happening several times a week, you're just going to be bald. Like how much hair is going to grow in two or three days, four days, a week, whatever. Um, So you're just this completely hairless person. And that's, even though it's hilarious, really it's me just, me accepting, would I accept being completely hairless? (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny way to put it, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, instead of thinking of it as, getting a boner and losing all your hair. I just think of it as I'll be completely hairless. And, That's right. And take I, all the fun out of it, but you're right. <laughs> that is essentially what it is. Shed is so funny. I like props to all of that. Um, at first I'm like, just no. My knee jerk is no, but I'm thinking about this. Can I accept being hairless and getting tons of things done and being in great shape? Like, like even... But, but the question becomes, why do I want to be in good shape? And it's largely it's two major factors, feeling good and looking good. But losing your hair is a sub- substantial, like being completely bald, no, you know, no eyebrows and stuff. That's substantial. Um, well, when you think about it, I mean, uh, people can pull off, especially, you know, really in shape men can pull off a bald absolutely. style. Um, the eyebrows, I would, I would actually say the eyebrows are the biggest detriment for this uh for this drawback because almost no one has no eyebrows right you you might have to do something i'd get tattooed eyebrows or whatever they do that kind of thing now i really would yeah Um, and then and maybe even some tattooed stubble (laughs) or something i know that sounds goofy but but that makes it actually attractive if i can overcome the eyebrow thing which i think you can with the tattoo i think it would like suffice it wouldn't be ideal but it suffice and then you can literally get pretty big and your place can be spotless like you don't and also not only spotless but you don't have to actively do it you can leave dinner on the table you can make a mess when you get home you can uh shave with like and let the hairs fall where they may you know what i mean not if you too shed Oh yeah, yeah. You don't. Ha- yeah, which I would. By the way, I'm not gonna do glitter. <laughs> I just decided I can't handle the glitter. Dealing with new relationships, I'd have no new relationships in life. I'm pretty sure <laughs> no one would want to be friends. Um, I'm giving up cleanliness as I know it. You know, yeah. uh, and I, you're asking too much. Um, <laughs> I almost wish I could shave my head, look in the mirror. If if you were, if this was a serious proposition, I would consider somnificent with with shed and i would look in the mirror shave i would legitimately shave my head and go can i deal with this and if the answer is yes which i think it just would be well also consider that you know your your um your capability for sexual arousal declines over time eventually you're going to be an old man where where this isn't really a problem anymore true and my but I also might have lost hair, like naturally be bald at that point. I, don't I know. guess that's true as well. I guess <laughs> that's true and, and when you're that old, I don't think it who matters. Cares? Like a good head of hair, it like, doesn't. Yeah, who cares? Um, so I, I, 
this is the first time my knee jerk was like, no, I'm not taking any of this. I'm just walking away. But then I've thought it through and I think I'm going to take Somnificent and Shed because I really do. And I think it's, and it, yeah, even if I get over the whole like trying to feel handsome and look good, I think I could, I think I could get over like just, just doing chores, like having this immaculate, immaculate place and not having to clean. Like you don't have to work for it. Cause I think it's, I love cleanliness, but I don't like working for it. And now I would get all the benefit and none of the cost. Like that's a major thing. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Yes. I, actually, I agree with your choices. I, I would choose the same ones for basically the same reasons. Um, We're so alike so, in so many ways. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I mean, I, I hate glitter with the burning passion of a thousand suns. Like, I hate glitter so much. I can't believe anyone brought it into existence, and I hate their <laughs> souls for it. Yeah. Um, I did, despise. Did you ever glitter. like it when you were like a kid? Like kid Bennett no. was like, eh, no, it's all kid, right. kid Bennett hated glitter because you, if a piece, if a piece, single piece of glitter gets on you, then you're doomed. You're just doomed to suffer with that piece of glitter until the glitter decides it's had enough of you. Um, like it, you can't just like pick glitter off. It doesn't work. It stays on you somehow. <laughs> I hate it. It is a curse. It's a real life humanity drawback. You know what, um, you know, just a side note I find remarkable is that things you really liked as a kid, you tend to really like now. Things you hated as a kid, you, you tend to hate now. Like, I, I'm almost want to pose the question to you. What is something you've, you liked as a kid and don't like now or vice versa, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, because, and I don't want to detract from the conversation too much, but for the listeners, they should, like, like, like you're, you're a consistent person. Of course, you've matured and, and gained complexity over years and, th- and thoughts about things and they may have morphed um but but like i don't know like when you're a kid you like liked lamborghinis or ferraris or whatever and, and no sure. one's gonna not like those things that's a dumb example but i just yeah. wonder if there's anything like anything you really uh, hated as a kid that now you, you're like i kind of like now so i'm sh- i'm struggling to think of anything i i know that there are things but nothing's coming to mind. Something that I uh, disliked as, as a kid that I like now. There's some food things, but you know, it, it was only because as a kid I just thought they were gross and didn't. Maybe the try weird them. out factor, like sushi or something. Yeah, so I never tried sushi as a kid. I would say maybe maybe mushrooms, but it's not a good example because as a kid, I didn't eat a lot of mushrooms. I did one one notable time. Um, I was at a steak restaurant and they had put a mush a mushroom. This is I don't know. I must have been six or seven years old. They put a mushroom on the steak and I thought it was steak and I ate it <laughs> and I threw up because it was actually a mushroom. I like and that. I kind of hated mushrooms ever since then. Um, but but in my adult life, I've eaten mushrooms and they can be kind of tasty. There's different kinds of mushrooms. Some of them are you know, pretty tasty. Um, so that might be one thing, but, but taste it's not just, that good. Taste isn't <laughs> interesting though, as, as interesting. Yeah. Me. Yeah. It's not that interesting. I mean, Food. Cause, uh, cause I, I think when we're kids, we subscribe to things like, Oh, broccoli, you're supposed to not like, and, and or, uh, you know, I think mushrooms even kind of fall in Brussels sprouts and you just hear these things and you're kind of, you're a kid and you're like, ew, it's not pizza. It's not cheeseburgers, you know, sure. ice cream. So, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Nothing, nothing big comes to mind. Uh, I would have to, I'd have to think about that. I didn't a want to throw more. the whole conversation there, but that's something. Maybe a conversation for another time. Yeah, um, you're, but I mean, generally, you got me pegged. Like I, <laughs> you know, my tastes stay pretty, pretty consistent. I'm just a consistent dude. <laughs> like, is I haven't asked you this in a while. Is green? Would that be your favorite color? I remember growing up, it was green. Yeah, it was green. Was my favorite color as a kid. I still like green. I kind of pay lip service to it as my favorite color, but. You know, I like blue a lot as well. I find that question kind of not interesting. What's your favorite color? It's like, I just, I mean, I like colors. It depends. Yeah, it, it depends on it everything. Depends. What's it, is it? Are we talking about clothes? Are we talking about decoration? Are we talking about in nature? Like, what are we, in a painting? What are we talking about? And a variety. Is this, is the cake, is the... Uh, <laughs> variety is the nice of life. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of sp- spice, like... Uh, uh, sugar of life. I don't know. Anyway, it's stupid. Um, yeah. So you would take somnificent and shed as well. Yeah, I think I would. Like I couldn't deal with the glitter because it's awful. Evacuation expert would be fun and convenient, but not as convenient as somnificent. Not like, even close, really. Well, because I I hate. I don't like exercising. I like having exercised. I don't like you know taking care of chores and washing dishes and all that stuff but i like having it done i don't like cleaning but i like having having my place clean so like i like the results and i don't like the work i mean pretty classic way to you know to (laughs) deal with these things but but like to be able to just task my body to do those things while i can enjoy sleep that's wonderful. Like, that's so amazing. And I don't even mind after exercising being kind of sore. Like, in a way, that's kind of pleasant. It lets you know that, you know, you're, you've done some stuff yeah, and your yeah. body is, you know, healing itself up. And so, like, even waking up a little sore, I'd be like, oh, man, I must have put myself through a good workout last night. Ugh, time to enjoy my life now. Yeah. It would be, it would be great. And I'll, I'll, Go ahead. And, and I think that... You know, with the same equation you used for shed, I could use as well. Like, I think, you know, I could deal... Like, who who cares about my legs being hairy? No one else, and I don't care that much. Same with my arms, same with underarms, same with all my hair except my visible hair, you know, on my head, you know? Like, that's right. the loss. And eyebrows. Like, that's the loss is that I'm going to look unusual, but... I don't know. People would look at me and assume that I had cancer or something. They might even give me some extra deference and kindness because they assume, you know, that I've been through this horrible ordeal instead of this wonderful bargain with the magical, <laughs> you know, cosmos where now I've got a superpower as well. Um, I've become a, a hat wearer, possibly yeah, too. I would probably become a hat wearer, and you know, I think I think I might entertain some kind of some kind of eyebrow something. It would. Ha- you know, something. Ta- I don't know about I use the word tattoo, or... but I do mean just, you know, this sort of, they do these sorts of things, like someone yeah, who's, their nipples and stuff like that, whatever. Um, yeah, they really, I, they do that. So, also a quick thing too, if I, if it, for the <clears throat> somnificent, you could pr- possibly find some mundane working task, like uh, transcribing notes or something and make a few bucks, possibly. Sure. I'd be looking yeah. into that if because you can only clean your apartment or your your residence like so so much. So I, I mean, I there are there are night shift jobs like security jobs or desk jobs or whatever where basically that's what they're paying you for is to 
have this inconvenient night schedule. You know, that's yeah. that's your purpose is to yeah. do some mundane task while being awake at night. And voila, now you essentially get paid for nothing, you know, like put your body on this boring duty while you sleep. You know, I've often thought, by the way, there's this uh, there's this trash service, valet trash at my apartment, and uh, it's like five nights a week. You can just put out the trash before nine or whatever the time is, and then the person comes around at night. It's been probably takes them several hours, collects all the trash, puts it in the back of their truck, takes it to the dump dumpster. You know, it's still on the property, and throws it away. And that I was just wondering, like, what would that be worth for me to do? Um, if I were really scrounging for money and they said, hey, we'll let you, we'll re- reduce your rent by half or something. I was just contemplating myself, what would I take that deal for? It's smelly and gross and three hours a day, maybe three. You could do it, I mean, you could probably plan it out and not everyone's putting out their trash every day. There's probably lighter days and you just run through, pick it up. You can, you could, I could talk to you on the phone. I could listen to a podcast. Like I was actually right. thinking if that just became sort of my, all right, it's, it's, eight o'clock or whatever the time is and just do it for a couple hours you could definitely do that at night uh and then go shower and do all that stuff too so i'm just trying to think of all that and like would you does that appeal to you at all even as outside of the superpower thing like would you take some giant rent reduction or even like as much as like or would it have to be like free rent just to do something like that i don't don't know it's just a thought uh i would have to crunch the numbers and and see a knee jerk is no um but uh I would crunch the numbers and see if it turns out to be like, a valuable you, proposition. Yeah, I mean, you I mean my time is I value my time. Too. I don't know. Right. I, va- right. I, highly, I highly value my time. I value my time more than my money. And so it would have to be a lot of money to, you know, exactly. con- relatively, to pay for that time. And, you know, if I'm not asleep while doing it, then I, like you say, I have to put up with smelly trash and, you know, some idiot with holes in their trash bags or people are bad about their trash and you might have to maintain the dumpster too which it's always getting overloaded and stuff so i have no idea anyway boring stuff Um, people are idiots at my apartments with their trash i know we have to carry it over to the dumpster and like people suck they just kind of like half throw the bag on yes. top of the dumpster and the yes. thing is closed and it's like what are you doing they're so lazy it's like this is trash to me and i'm not going to i mean for mine like they don't push it in this little out al- you have to push it to a certain p- point and they don't and so it piles up when it didn't need to they literally could have just pushed it over yeah. the ledge and they just didn't yes. go the extra foot or so and it's piling up and, and other people are and and i and i just can throw it over all that stuff Look, and the, it's the dumpster the dumpster at my place <clears throat> has uh, doors on either side of it, little sliding metal doors, you know, yeah, um, yeah. On, on either side. And uh, one door will be open and the other door will be closed. And I'll go out there oftentimes and trash will be pouring out of the right side door and people will have just put it on the ground because they can't squeeze it into the door. But then I walk over to the left door and open it and it's empty over there. Like there's a big, you know, empty half of the pile inside the dumpster because no one had the brains to walk over there and open the other door. And oh, God. it reminds me of the shopping cart kind of phenomenon too. just put back Jeez. your shopping cart. But, but they don't care. Like it's their trash. They're done with it. And the cart has already served its purpose. So they're go- they go so minimally past what what is a cursory like putting it back like a lot of people will even put it back in the the you know spot the shopping cart spot but they don't push it into the other cart and so like 
three or four of yeah. them will take up the whole line. And it just is like, just push an extra foot. Like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Speaking of shopping carts, we're really on an exciting tangent here. Speaking of shopping carts, <laughs> um, I've noticed an annoying thing that this the grocery store's responsibility here. Now, you know, a lot of grocery stores have big full-size carts and small, like, single shopper carts. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. But the shopping cart return lanes only have one aisle, and the two types of carts they don't they don't squeeze together right. I think that was but, the foolish part. They should have designed them to squeeze together right, or push together, yeah. or lock in place, or whatever. The fact that they are designed completely at odds with one another—it's like uh, that was not good thinking. Yeah, not a good idea. I mean, I guess you know if you have a good grocery store like Publix usually is, then you're sending your employees out there to retrieve the carts so often that it's not a problem. But but I mean, it's a shame have... that that yeah, even you could make it two two lanes to put your carts in. But even right. making two lanes doesn't mean that's going to happen. Like someone's going to put a that's cart true. in each one, and they've already screwed it up. So yeah, you you would have to do some sort of clever um, design of your carts so that the small carts don't fit in the big cart lane, and the big carts don't fit in the small cart lane. Yes, and I don't the the big not fitting in the small makes total sense and is easy. I don't know how you do the other one. Yeah, you would have to put some sort of little uh, blocker or something the, on the frame of the cart. Yes. You know, kind of how, like, um, if you have a, a SD card and you try to slide it upside down into your camera or computer or whatever, it doesn't go because they've designed a little notch on it or something. Yeah, yeah, smart. You have to do something like that. Yeah, but it's sad that you have to do, you have to make things so wildly idiot proof that, you know, oh, God. just making there, something there's... the size of the lanes or just making two lanes is not, you can't rely on the public to go, oh, there's two different types of carts, there's two different you lanes, one for each. You can't you do can't... that, which is so reasonable to ask of a society, you know, no, and you, you, and you can't, can't rely on the public for anything. <laughs> I've, I have become so cynical about the public about people like <laughs> about people. these people are stupid and that sounds really i used to not say that i've always kind of thought that but I've, i used to say no 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 i'm just a person too you know i have my flaws and my blind spots and there are plenty of things i'm ignorant about and i used to try to be humble and all that nah not anymore not anymore like most people are just really dumb most people are super dumb <laughs> can't they either can't do things or they're just too selfish to care that's what i think I think it's unbelievable apathy like who cares you've already you've got an, a, an employee to come collect the carts why would i go put it back like obviously Ugh. they they know and can intellectually grasp if there are two lanes and they were to they they just don't even it yes the general public has the uh intellectual aptitude to say there are two different carts and two different lanes and they can do this math but they don't because they don't care and so like the question is like how can you get the public to care and uh well it's a dearth of responsibility is yeah what it is like you don't like you just aren't responsible for the impact that you have on the things and people around you like just like just make just tidy your own box you know you if you get a cart just Put it back where it goes. Like it's not that difficult. So yeah, as a teacher, I give, I'm given these duties. I might have to go to a lunch duty or an after school duty, a parking lot duty, that those things. And a lot of teachers complain about it, and it's natural to complain, right? Like I was, I, I didn't get a four year degree. I didn't get a, you know, I didn't get my master's degree. I didn't get my PhD to to like watch students and tell them to pick up trash or you know this sort of attitude. Or I, I didn't get a degree just to. 
I mean, I almost feel silly sometimes when I create an activity and I'm cutting up paper or I'm like doing this almost arts and crafts activities. So I get like the, the, I want to get frustrated. And so the link back to what our discussion is that like, it's easy to get frustrated and say, this isn't my job. This is not part of my job. It should not be part of my job. So someone who's just gone grocery shopping, uh, doesn't want to, you know, can just easily take the look like, it's not my job. It's this. It's this person's job to collect the carts, not mine. So, how do you find sort of a societal responsibility in conjunction with like personal, you know, pick up stuff around you kind of thing? I mean, I th- I think it's a parenting job. I, I think that the reason we see a lot of this is lack of or poor parenting, um, and parents who think that their ki- their kids preferences or personalities should be paramount over their responsibilities. I mean, there are people we know and are friends with people who are just kind of oblivious about things that are going on around them and, you know, they may be disorganized or messy or whatever. And, you know, if you're doing that within your own home and it's your own things, fine, but you should have the responsibility to to be able to be a functioning human being respectful of others in other places you know for example the grocery store or you know whatever so you're saying obliviousness it sounds like it's just sort of harmless and eh, you're oblivious and you pay your own price but it's not okay to be oblivious like to be a good member of society you cannot be oblivious you have to actively combat i would say our autopilot thing is to be oblivious and just care about what we care about but to, that's what i'm saying oblivious people care about what they care about and they don't try to fight that impulse to think about others or what their surroundings are doing or that sort of thing. Like what's going on in their surroundings? Right. What I does mean, this action do to others, pe- other people? I mean, you might even say that a defining trait of humanity is our thoughtfulness, our ability to examine our own actions and plan out our futures. This is something that distinguishes us from animals. And some yeah. people don't make use of that extra humanity, you know, like... They don't make as much use of it. I'm, They're just animals. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that, like, you know, may, fulfill your potential. Like, you know, like, be a human and do the things that a human can do that it, every other species can't do. Um, it reminds me of something I tell my, my Put your carts back. <laughs> put your carts back and be, like actively thankful is what i tell my students like you have to it's a learned behavior not just innately like you're not innately born with so much gratitude i mean certainly there are people that are more cynical than others and i'm not debating about a range of sort of dispositions but but i would say that like if you you can learn to be thankful and spot things to be thankful just like you learn to look around you and see how your behavior like learn and look at look at the parking lot next time and and put stuff back and sort of correct stuff as you go I mean, yeah. like, the, the obliviousness is, to me, observing cause and effect is so second nature. Like, to, to watch my actions and see, okay, what happens when I take these actions? And, you know, I think it's perfectly fair to give everyone the benefit of the doubt when they're doing something new and they make a mistake. And then they, but then the expectation is they will observe the ramifications of that mistake and won't make the mistake again. So if it's your first time, you know, you're uh, just, you've left home and you're a college student, you're a college freshman and you're going shopping, grocery shopping for yourself for the first time and you leave your cart 
out in the park is not really that <laughs> forgivable because surely you would have been shopping before. But whatever. Let's just say but you theoretically, may, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's not shopping with the cart. Maybe it's they're at the self checkout and they can't get their card reader to work or they can't weigh their potatoes correctly. Whatever. That's forgivable, <laughs> you know, because you've never done it before. Fine. Yeah. But just yeah. observe. Just observe your own actions. See what mistake you've made and don't make it again. Like, yeah. just don't make repetitive mistakes. Ugh, I don't, so you shouldn't. <laughs> well, there's there's also just mistakes that... Uh, the weird mistake I made the other day. I was uh, coming home. I was very tired. I'd done a lot of work. I was kind of patting myself on the back. I was I was hitting on all cylinders, but exhausted, mentally fatigued. Mm-hmm. Pulled over into a Wawa. I was gassing up, and I was just, you know, like checking texts or emails or whatever, checking my phone. And I realized, this is the first time this has ever happened to me, by the way. Uh-huh. My car was cranked. It was running, uh-huh. and I was gassing up. And uh, I just have never done that, and I, and I kind of... Like what? What? Oh my god! And turned it off. Uh, how dangerous is that? Not dangerous. Okay, I was told it could like blow up. Yeah, so. sure. Well, they also, if you look at the stickers on the gas station, it says don't use your phone while you're pumping gas. I've so. heard that before, and how somehow that's going to create a static what? shock. It's well, it, yeah, I've heard that potential like, for Sounds like a myth to me. <laughs> yeah, not not really a lot of danger, but you know, conceivably, if you had your malfunctioning phone and you were holding it right over the fumes of your gas tank while it filled up then it could ignite and whatever but this is so. was this like from flip phone era too like are you how much are these static what is it i mean i'm sure it's creating I, some electric signals that could create something but i, I would trust nutty. i would trust flip phones more than modern phones okay yeah um, i just figured that to me i was just thinking of the actual action sparking something but you're right that's a dumb thing that's a dumb thing that i'm doing yeah i would mentally. imagine it would be dumb electronics or uh, in some fashion inside would you know have a short or something i don't know so you said something about animals and our baser instincts and how what separates us is thoughtfulness i thought um i I, you alluded to some stuff before we started recording i thought you might that'd be an excellent segue yes that is a good segue i have a topic that i want to talk about that uh i was kind of thinking about i want to get your take on um so it's kind of in the same. It's in a similar vein of a lot of my topics uh, in, in terms of psychology, especially group psychology. So the the topic that I'm thinking of is the personification, or the better term is anthropomorphization of pets. Um, yes. So, uh, what that means for people who don't know what the word means, it's a gigantic word, by the way. Anthropomorphization. Yeah, it's so hard to say. Um, it's when you treat your pets like they're humans or you project human-like traits onto your pets like their emotions understanding behavior those sorts of things by the way like animated films when you have talking dogs and they act like humans that's yeah. an- an- anthropomorphization jeez that's anthropomorphization yes anthropomorphization anthropomorphization yeah. that's what it is um so I've, I've always kind of thought that it was an interesting phenomenon um, but maybe this is just my perception, but it seems like lately it's a lot more prevalent than it has been before. Um, I, I don't know if maybe that's because I see a lot of like girls our age that are just obsessed. And I mean the term literally obsessed with dogs. Um, <laughs> what constitutes obsession versus just like a healthy, you know, regard for, um, well, I would say that if you, if, discussion of your pets takes up 
greater than 20% of all discussion that you have, that would you know, that would qualify as obsession. Um, if you spend a considerable chunk of your income on dog treats and toys, and if, if greater than 20% of the pictures in your phone are of your dog, if you take daily pictures of your dog, these sorts of things, I would say fall under the umbrella of obsession rather than basically if it takes if if your pet occupies 20 percent or more of your life i mean really if it's your discussion your your you know social life if it's in your social media um yes yeah. why where'd you arrive at 20 percent? it sounds like just, sort of reasonable just, just arbitrary curious. just <laughs> just arbitrary it, yeah what should uh, an animal like an, a healthy dog or an owner or animal owner like and they love their dog within healthy bounds to you. Where what percentage of that is acceptable then? Um, less than twenty percent. Uh, but of yeah. course, I'll be fair and say that the percentage probably depends on the, the content of your life. You know, if you have a full family and a career, um, then you would expect the pet to take up a smaller proportion. If you're an unemployed single person you know without much going on then maybe you would expect the pet to take that's up a larger that's true portion. imagine you have three kids a husband or wife and a, an active social media and all this and it's still taking up over 20 percent with the animals that would be strange <clears throat> when you have a, but, a wife and three kids and yet that this animal is getting a lot of attention but but i <laughs> yeah. think i think the top end is somewhere around 20 percent. even if you're a single unemployed person living alone with your pet like I, I think you edge into unhealthy territory if the pet occupies more than twenty percent of your life, you know. And that's kind of where you know that's kind of one of the things that I'm edging towards with this topic is I want to I want to understand some of that obsession uh, and the anthropomorphization and the psychology of the person and how they treat the pet and maybe the good and or mostly bad things that can come out of that for the person. And, and, and before we launch into that, can we just sort of share our general views, opinions, and experiences with animals? Or, you sure. Know, yeah, would that sure. be a good baseline starting point so you know, so listeners know where we're coming from? Definitely. Yeah, go for it. What, what are your um, experiences with pets? Did you have a childhood pet when you were a kid? I did. I had dogs growing up. Uh, my dad was extremely allergic to dogs, so they were not indoor dogs. Um, and it was sort of one of my responsibilities to feed them daily. I played with them and all of that too. Um, but, and I've always loved, I've been a dog person my whole life. I've, if someone has a dog, I'm just attracted to, I want to pet the dog. I want to play with the dog. If I'm, if I'm walking past a dog in public, I don't typically stop to pet them, but I desire to, I just like, Oh, I noticed the dog. Um, very, and cats, you know, I have an increasing fondness for, but generally I've always, I've joked around my strong distaste, almost, almost jokingly, right? Like a, sure. a parody of itself. Just my, like, I used to just say, uh, when no one's looking, I kick cats. I would just say that to be provocative and silly, <laughs> uh, but, but you don't, don't really do that. Yeah. No, and I don't even really hate them. I just find I don't like when you're petting them and they they love it, and then they just change their mind, their attitude. That that's always irked me, and I found yeah. that very rude. And I don't like how unpredictable they are. But generally speaking, I I just really enjoy animals, and I don't currently have any. And the primary reason is because I like uh, the mobility I have right now. If I want to do a little weekend trip, I don't I, I don't want the responsibility. I just and so the costs outweigh the benefits sure. for me, particularly if I have some friends, you know, with animals, I can just play with them and sort of enjoy the experience without having to invest because there's a lot of investment. Definitely. So, yeah. 
and and like the, the whole idea of training a dog properly very first thing you got to do is sort of potty train them you know break them in kind of thing mm-hmm. and like that's a huge task just a- alone and then i'm imagining startup cost plus a conversation i think i'd have to have like you know with my girlfriend and say if this dog or if this animal gets sick like where are our <clears throat> boundaries where we just say we have to put the dog down sure you know because i'm not it, oh sorry like i've fallen in love with the dog now it needs a ten thousand dollar surgery like and and even if it could say oh, and it'll live healthily for the rest of its life it'll solve all the problems it's like and no one can say that with guarantee that especially if it's an expensive so you know what i mean Definitely. but but no no we have to put a cap on this and the thing is i worry and i'm suspicious that we put the cap on before getting the animal. Then you fall in love with the animal. Does that all go out the window? I mean, it you depends know, uh, if you anthropomorphize the animal or not. <laughs> I think so. Yes, that's definitely true. And I think I think you inevitably do. Which I think our conversation. I don't want to get too far down that, but I think the reason we own pets is to anthropomorphize them. Like that's the purpose. Without it, it's just like why is there? Why am I letting this animal in my house to poop everywhere? So, so like, I don't. It, by necessity, we do. I I. I th- I agree that I think that is part of the purpose, but I think I think that's a bad thing. I think that there are other purposes that are healthier for both people and the animals um, that are not anthropomorphization. Well, I mean, I, th- I think you, but don't you think all the, when people talk about health benefits and then bringing joy and the reason you bring them to hospitals to help kids and sick patients and all the joys that they bring <clears throat> come through this sort no, of psychological maybe. No, I, it's not. Well, I ahead. I think that th- I absolutely think that. A, a pet owner's interaction with their pets has psychological effects, many benefits. But I think that it starts to actually pathologize when you step into anthropomorphization. That's when you take a step in the bad direction. Um, the further you go into anthropomorphization, the more unhealthy it is for all parties involved. Uh, but, but there's certainly a healthy relationship between pet owner and pet that's psychologically beneficial that is not anthropomorphization it's and ha- there has been for centuries and millennia a relationship between you know men and dogs for example that's one uh, man's best friend like yeah and it's not an anthropomorphization relationship you're not treating the dog as a human you're treating the dog as a dog a dog that you love but it's still a dog um so i think it's possible to have that healthy relationship so you're not just talking about sort of projection like there can even be some projection onto them that's fine. Like, like, oh, you look sad. Look at him. He looks sad. Or, oh, he looks so happy. And he, I might, well, first of all, they probably are happy and sad. That is not just distinctly human. So that's not fair. But like, it, it's okay. Like, I, st- I could still see, and I, I wouldn't do this. It sounds cheesy, but you dress them up in some little like Christmas sweater. And then you put like a, some, you take a picture and then you put on the picture, like happy holidays. I mean, can that still be healthy behavior? I would say, yeah. I mean, I think you're you're clearly getting into some you're interesting. Ter- you're getting on. You're, you're on your way. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're getting, getting there. there because you are projecting. You know, like the dog's not wishing happy holidays. That, the, right. the dog has no conceptualization of Christmas <clears throat> or whatever. And so, yeah, you're getting there. Um, but like that's. Pl- but if you still understand and it's just being playful and cute, like you could still do that in a healthy bounds. I think. I think you, it's possible, but yeah, you're getting there. So uh, as for as for my part, my uh, experience with pets, I'm kind of the same as you. We always had dogs growing up. Um, ever since I was a little kid, we always had a, a single dog at a time, an outside dog. Um, 
and you know i you know i enjoyed having the dogs me and my dad would go camping and bring the dog along although i would say that even from a young age i became annoyed with many of the things that having a dog entails like my chores were i had to feed the dog as well and give the dog water and all of that stuff fine chores to teach to teach a kid to be responsible for a pet sure yeah and i was responsible for the pet as a kid but I grew to understand that those responsibilities were more annoying than the benefits that the pet provided. Um, so, like, so you killed it or what? Yeah, so I just, you know. Um, <laughs> no, no, I didn't The fact that we can laugh about that could hurt, could hurt a lot of pe- pet owners. <laughs> just the joke. Even well, the joke could be offensive. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about a joke like that offending someone? I are, don't are, care. Are, I mean, I... I I aggressively don't care. Um, yeah, are you saying that they probably are anthropomorphizing to the like? Uh, is someone who is offended are they almost certainly um, in an uh, yes. unhealthy territory? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I say that with full confidence. In fact, I have a funny story that I'll tell you about a uh, a family member, a family friend um, at, along these lines. But um, we'll save that. So uh, so anyway, all that to say, I like dogs. I, I like other people's dogs more than the idea of me having a dog. Dogs, when I was a kid, I didn't like it because we always had kind of bigger dogs and they would jump on me and get me dirty or scratch me or slobber everywhere or stink or I don't know. <laughs> and what do they do for me? Nah, they're just kind of excitable and, you know, they're a dynamic creature running around and yeah, they'll fetch a ball and that's kind of cool, but is it so cool that I that I'm okay with mud and slobber on me? No. <laughs> well, I just want to, look, as an aside to the listeners, and this is going to maybe annoy you, you're saying you like dogs. I think most dog lovers and people would say Bennett doesn't like dogs. That's <laughs> like, fine. Or, or like, doesn't like animals. They would say no, he's like... Well, well they're wrong that's about... Not, not true. You're right to object. I just think we have to say, like, your, your practicality or whatever you want to call it is so strong that... that that's fine. You can okay. say that I don't like dogs as long as we have an understanding that I don't like dogs in this societal milieu of pathological <laughs> dog obsession. So yes. I'm perfectly able to have an appreciation for dogs. I think I could even own a dog and train it to be tolerable uh, and maybe even enjoyable. But you know what? I'm just I, I have no desire to have a dog. As far as my like for animals, I, I consider myself a person who who does like animals. I enjoy a large variety of animals from a more scientific perspective. I think other creatures are fascinating. I like the variety in the way they look. I like their behaviors. I like the different sort of psychology that they all have. All that stuff is very interesting to me. Um, I like I like your perspective, but it's not, there's not a but. I like your perspective. So our cult, when people ask, do you like animals? Are you an animal person? By our culture standards, you'd be a resounding no. But th- your answer is yes. That's is right. Is that accurate? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I would say so. Um, and like, let me be clear. Like, I don't, it, you know, if I go to some friend's, a friend's house or whatever, and they have pets, you know, I'm not kicking their pets and, you know, going ew they're slobbering like i'm not like that i can appreciate other people's pets i understand it's just a thing you have to deal with fine fine but you know like i don't i don't have any pets of my own i don't uh i don't discount the possibility of owning a pet one day but some thought would go into it 
Right. Um, like you would, it's almost like it'd be a concession for you. You're in a relationship with a girl who loves a dog. You'd be like, okay, I can do this if, if you know, that if would have be, some boundaries and things like that. Yeah, that would be a concession. I would try to, I would, I would try to come up with some alternate path, maybe a chia pet or something. <laughs> Wait, is that the, the, this, the hair growing, the green growing for the hair? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You want a pet? Here's a chia pet. Yeah, that ought to satiate. Sa- that would go over satiate well. Satiate the desire. Yeah. Merry Christmas. I got you a puppy. Chia <laughs> pet. Uh, I like it. All right. So, um, uh, I-, I did, you know, just so we don't have to rely totally on our subjective uh, feelings about pets or observations of the obsession or ownership of pets of others, I... I did look up just a couple of small stats to sort of back up my impression, um, but it, most of this is kind of an impression thing. So I did look up people uh, aged 25 to 39, so the millennial generation, they make okay. up a, about 20% of the population, but they own 35% of the pets uh, Interesting. Uh, of all people. And 73% of people in that age, age range own pets, so... You know, you got a three quarters chance of owning a pet if you're in that age range, which we wow. are. Wow, but I mean, do kids and they certainly count as an age range? Kids, they don't. Do they? Do they have zero percent of ownership of pets? I don't know how the stat was calculated, so I don't know whether they would include a family owning pets. I don't know which people they right, would include. Right, because it doesn't in that seem range. fair if a giant portion of the, if twenty percent of the population is zero because they're kids, but they have you know they have pets in their family. But, um, but but I get what you're saying. Thirty five percent of them, when they make up twenty percent of the population, and you said like what seventy three. Seventy three percent of millennials, so people from twenty five to thirty nine, uh, seventy three percent of those people that's, own pets. That shocks a, me. That's huge, right? It's so huge. Gosh. Um, that and that all, this pet ownership has increased by twenty percent since nineteen eighty eight. So the trend that's significant. is significant. Yeah. The trend is upward. Lots of people our age own pets. Um, restaurants are starting to allow and even have yeah. to encourage and have doggy treats. Like right, culture right, has right. definitely changed, like Col- allowing pets yes. everywhere. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about some of these uh, cultural trends of anthropomorphization um, and, and other uh, cultural uh, other examples of anthropomorphization. So, um, like you say, restaurants that allow or even serve pets. Uh, right, like they have a little doggy menu. Like yeah, which yeah, which is absurd. I mean, maybe it's cute. Is maybe it's cute, but well, it's I think also, it's all motivated by money. Like, I don't blame them if they can get more money and it doesn't, you know, doesn't offend the general population, and I can charge some like ten dollars or something yes. for some treats. Like, well, yeah, I'm gonna do that. There's definitely a kind of insidious um, uh, monetary economic angle to the pet the pet market i think it's like a 46 billion dollar market in the u.s or something like that is the number that i saw which is which is big and like people monetize people capitalize on this obsession and you know they expect you to buy christmas presents for your pets and birthday presents for your pets and halloween costumes for your pets and people oblige yeah it's a whole new avenue it's like well, it's just he, like holidays. In some ways, they're corporate-driven th- things. Yeah, might as well. If you can tap into dogs and having the, or every holiday and everything, yes. getting that. Wow, I, it's wow. Well, yeah. here's here's where I'm angling in on the pathology and the 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 uh, where it's unhealthy. So the millennial generation that I outlined, 
we, we have this big uptick in pet ownership, and we also have a corresponding downtick in having actual human children. Um, hmm. So our, uh, our rate of child having is dropping, is lowering. Um, people don't have as many kids. They have kids later in life if they do have kids. So what it seems to be seems to be happening is there are many people who are replacing having kids with having pets instead. Um, uh, I mean, maybe that seems plausible. Yeah, I mean, that's well, what is happening. There is an up uptick of this, and is it uptick? Is there yes. a relationship? Is the question? And that, that's what you're positing. Yes, yeah. that that's that's what I'm throwing out there. And, and and my hypothesis is again, this isn't broad scale. Certainly, there are perfectly well-adjusted, healthy people who, for whatever reasons, either don't have kids or have kids later in life, and that's totally fine. But my suspicion is that maybe there's some sort of um, societal strife going on with people in, in our age range where maybe having a family is, an un, is a void in their life and they're unfulfilled by it. And so they try to fill that void by having a pet. And you might say that that's a healthy way to cope with that void. And I think it can be healthy, but I think it's also kind of a narrow ledge that you walk and you can easily step off the side of that into unhealthy behavior. And that's what I think this anthropomorphization is. And I think that that we fuel this sort of behavior and with predatory market tactics, like like I say, you know, the um, the dog toys and the dog holidays. Sure. As and soon as that. they notice this trend, it's like, can we monetize this? Was right. the and, question. And, and I yeah. think lots of people have fallen into that trap. So, so some other things that I observe, and I see this all, all the time, being a single person trying to date you know, girls our age, I see all like, I mean, probably in literally 20 to 40% of dating profiles and stuff. I see the phrase dog mom or fur babies. And these, these phrases drive me up the wall. I hate these phrases because you're basically saying I, I am unhealthy. I have an unhealthy (laughs) relationship with my pet. Uh, and another thing like, which I don't think they realize is that using those phrases means they're literally calling themselves bitches. <laughs> if, if you're a dog mom, well, you put the pieces together. Uh, yeah. Well, can I back up for a second and say like, so people are getting married at a later, at later than they used to. I mean, it used to be very young and it seems to then you know, and then it was common in your twenties, early twenties, and and I I just want to know. Okay, so I kind of like the idea of people getting married later. Like, find develop your brain, find your sense of self, and then get married. So that cultural trend seems to be something that sits well with me. Like, don't get married when you're eighteen. Like, figure yourself out first, and so then that means you're having kids later, and this sort of thing. And so that's a that's. I'm just trying to relate that idea of why are people getting married later? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a bad idea and it's creating these voids that then are leading to dog ownership and stuff. But I'm trying to map on like, cause it's tough to say, all right, everyone's owning a dog and then they're delaying kids or is it that they're getting married later? And then why are you getting married later? Is it because you're wising up as a society and saying, this is a bad idea um, or to, to get married so young 
is it because religion typically says, you know, save yourself before marriage, so like you're you're dying to have sex, right? And you so you jump into no. a marriage. Religious, um, yeah. Religious families usually get married earlier. Right, and so and and I would suggest that we are trending less religious as a culture. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, verifiably so. Yes, and so then we're getting married later because we're just you know not. There's not the motivation to jump in, into a marriage in order to have sex. So once you've removed sex as sort of a carrot toward front for marriage, uh, marriage marriage has been getting less and less valuable uh, for a while. Right, and then when divorce rates are, or so it, the ease of divorce is there, so you're getting divorces more often, mm-hmm. and it's less taboo as well, so you're getting it more often. Yeah, so the so marriage is definitely. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, here's under assault or, or, or at least like, <laughs> no, that's a, such a loaded term, but marriage is getting less valuable. Um, and yeah, well, I think, I, you know, I, I think we could link in some of the, uh, shopping cart stuff here and say that there there's, there's you know, responsibility is in danger a little bit. And marriage is a thing that takes a lot of responsibility and, People seemingly are less responsible and less capable of, you know, of marriage. And, you know, as you get older, generally, you become more responsible. And so maybe that's another link uh, why, you know, people wait until they're older to get married now. Do you think that as marriages become less, you know, people are getting married less, so so they're looking to fill their relationships? How do we have markers that signify uh, the seriousness of our relationship. One is obviously living together. Another might be pet ownership. Like, hey, let's get this animal together. It's kind of like a precursor to kids. And if you sort of solidify this idea that having a dog, let's raise a dog, and that, that would in some ways indicate whether we'd be successful raising a kid. That There, you're linking the the anthropomorphization like you're you're linking that immediately and and that actually just seems sort of like a reasonable thought like oh yeah like if if we do terrible if we argue about the needs for this dog then we it's just going to be amplified with kids and so i'm I'm, i feel like i'm i'm guilty of agreeing with that rationale it doesn't seem that corrupt like oh yeah raising a living thing and having to decide what's in its best interest and disagreeing mm -hmm. and fighting about how to to reach conclusion how to carry forward that all fits so um yes i mean do you think that that do you think that's wrong to do i mean it seems reasonable to do practice raising a dog first yeah it it does seem reasonable and uh, i want to be clear that now, all the things that I'm presenting, whether it's pet ownership in general or, or you know, adopting a pet together or whatever, all these things can be done healthily, and I have no problem with them being done as a general practice. But I think it can go wrong, uh, and when it does go wrong, it has certain effects. Um, so, for example, if, if your motivations in a relationship uh, – to, if you want to get a pet together, you and your girlfriend or whatever want to get a pet together and kind of prove that you can share the responsibilities of raising another living creature, I think that's fine. That's re- kind of responsible and it makes sense. But but you also have to consider that anthropomorphic link, you know, the fact that you're adopting a, a fur baby, you know, if it goes that far. <laughs> yeah. And then if the relationship ends, where where does the dog go? And I think a lot of times what happens is a couple will adopt a pet together and then the couple will break up. And now 
the dog will be the object of all of that missing affection. You know, all of that lost love from the relationship now gets directed onto the dog, and the mm. dog is expected to fill the role of the lost boyfriend or whatever. And I think that can be, I think that's the genesis of a lot of this obsession. Wow. Uh, that seems, you know, reasonable. Like, I could see that happening. Like, we, dogs are so easy to put your pain into, you know, yeah. they just are there. They love you regardless. They, I say love, I just mean that they are, they're dependent upon you and, and are fond toward you almost. I mean, if you're cruel to an animal, which rarely a pet, any reasonable pet owner is not cruel. So even if you're sure. a bad pet owner, don't forget to feed them sometimes. They're not going to be furious with you and extra, and like, and and make you pay, so to speak. They're just gonna they're just gonna love you. Uh, right. E- their love is cheap. Uh, That's right. But yeah. but even our, I, I noticed that our language is so encoded, like the way we say love, yes. as if and we say, yeah, we we just we just take all the language about human relationships and and we we just speak and about pro- dogs in that same way or That's animals right. in that same way. Yeah, we project all all of that stuff onto dogs, and though we don't do it with like a guinea pig, I don't. I mean, I just doubt we just say like, "Oh, that guinea pig," or, you know, "Earl loves me so much," or whatever. I just don't think we. Or my <laughs> fish loves me so much. I don't think we'd say that, but we would say the dog loves. But that's. Yeah. The, I mean, they're emo- more emotive and stuff, and they're more that's interactive true. too. So like, I get why we do it. I just think this is almost a cautionary discussion, right? Like, where yes. where is. Because Where's I don't have line? an issue. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not out there to try and change using like my dog loves me. Like I, th- no. I feel like that's a pretty useful term. And yes, it, but but we should definitely distinguish between like you know human love. Well, the, ter- and, the anyway. trying to love win is back. So, yeah, difficult. Tr- trying to win back the definition of the word love is a lost cause. Um, yeah. That that word is over. Uh, so I love cheese. It, right. Yeah, I love cheese. <laughs> But, but um, so, yes, we project we project emotions onto our pets, human emotions. That's the distinction because our pets can actually feel emotions depending on the you know the animal involved. But they're primitive and they don't have the consciousness to experience the emotion in the same way that humans do. Um, so there there is a distinction. Uh, you you can observe a dog's happiness or anxiety or love so to speak um but it's not the same as a human's so like what's an example of an egregious um projection um i would say that uh perhaps if you imagine this breakup scenario um where a couple breaks up and you know the the girl takes the dog afterwards and is really heartbroken about the breakup and uh pours out her heart to the dog, speaking to the dog, saying, you know, how she's alone now and how the relationship was terrible and she'll never find anyone, blah, blah, blah. And the dog is just going, I'm a dog. And is, you know, going... Just just breathing. (laughs) Yeah. And snuggling up, you know, to be warm. Oh, you understand me. You get me. Yes, you understand. You get it. You You understand my problems. You'll never leave me. Like... You know, I have you. You know to, what's more insidious than that? I don't think all that even have, has to... Well, all the things can take place, and they might not actually, you know, sit down and talk to the dog out loud, and they might not actually look at the dog and say, you get me, and like there would be this camera, secret hidden camera that would capture all of this, but it would still be happening. Like, like they wouldn't make the conversation, they wouldn't say it out loud to the dog, but they would feel 
toward the dog like you'll never leave me or like this is why i love you you know you'll never leave me so like you don't have to say it for it to be true it's like it's more insidious it's slow it's not as explicit it's sort of like your your love for the dog starts to be disproportionate or like unhealthy at that point right yes and and i think i think the reason why it's insidious is because you know we base our perceptions of objects and animals and people based on the reactions that we observe and we look for we look for affirming evidence and deconfirming uh, evidence things that contradict with our you know preconceived notions and and things that um, affirm our preconceived notions so if we have the notion my pet loves me and understands my feelings you can observe things that you can interpret as affirming that stance you know the pet snuggling up to you the pet being happy when you come home or wagging its tail. But what yeah. things can you observe that contradict that statement in a dog? Oh, I mean, it, I would think there'd be endless things. Really? <laughs> like what, what, would, what would suggest that the dog doesn't understand you explicitly? Like, I can't think of any, actually. No, well, I mean... There, well, because because the dog is never going to speak up and well, say that's the catch. The catch is that the dog we we accept that they are very very limited, and so if their expression is just positive, then or you know just okay, I get what you're saying. Yes, I mean obviously they don't understand in terms of like they're not. <laughs> yeah, okay, I get what you're saying now. We like, if if we're talking in the business of projection and we're projecting that they're affirming, you know our. Uh, you know, our assumption that they understand us. Like if, if we if we are convincing ourselves they understand me um, and we interpret their snuggles and their tail wagging as affirmation. But then what, we don't we don't accept them walking away when, we, when we're needing yes, them. Like that we, that's we just right. go, ah, he's a dog. Like, of course he walks away. Yeah, of so course he walks no, away. Oh, he got excited when I fed him food as well. Like, okay, <laughs> of, well, course, he of course he does. He's hungry. He wants his food. It's not that he that's what shows the countering, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's not that he shows the exact same actions towards his can of wet, sloppy food as he does to me, his crying, emotionally <laughs> bereft owner. Well, that that's the thing, and that's why it's so insidious. I think is because. And that's what anthropomorphization does is you project your human emotions onto the dog. And this is why it's unfair to pets is that you you can grow to expect them to behave in a certain way that they simply aren't capable of. Um, like you could imagine, imagine a situation in which, again, I'm going back to this example and it may be a little unfair, but let's imagine the breakup scenario again. The girl owns the dog and then... Two months later, the ex comes by to pick up some stuff, and the dog, seeing the ex, gets super excited and is like wagging its yeah. tail and running up to this Very the, the ex boyfriend, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, good to see you again, boy." Blah blah blah. And the 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 girl now is just mortified because she thought the dog loved her and not this jerk ex-boyfriend who stomped her heart into the mud you know and yeah yeah and you could imagine her being spiteful against the dog in this path pathological unhealthy situation but it doesn't sound like something that's impossible right um, right no that it's reasonable yeah <laughs> i mean it's not reasonable it's unreasonable well, that's what, but yeah but it's plausible it's plausible uh-huh. it's reasonable and, that that scenario is reasonable to play out yeah yeah right <laughs> um so I think that kind of thing can happen. So what I want to ask, though, 
and we've touched on some of these things, but but what, why, why do people in, engage in these sorts of anthropomorphization behaviors? Um, you know, we touched on one. Maybe it's a coping mechanism for for life events, uh, maybe a breakup or something like that. But why else do you think maybe we we do this? Uh, my guess is it's least resistance, path of least resistance. If you can potentially get fulfillment from a dog and a dog requires like yes we talked about how uh laborious the process of pet ownership can be but the the process of genuine intimacy with a partner or a or friend or even a friendship is vastly more complicated in terms of like investment maybe not investment in terms of like i'm not buying your food bennett but like i like there's like the emotional complexities of humans is you know, vast. And so, mm-hmm. um, to, to maintain close contact with humans is harder work than, you know, sort of rotely buying some dog food and taking them on a wall. Like it's just easier. That, that, that's my simple answer. It's easier to okay. get a dog to love you. <laughs> so, okay. I think I see what you're saying. This is one of the things that I thought too, like as social creatures, humans, we, we, our norm is to observe and react to the emotions of other humans. Um, and we try to read other humans' anger or love or happiness or whatever. We see it in their body language and in their expressions and words. Yep. We're used to interacting on emotional terms with other humans. And so that's kind of our mode of interaction. And maybe we just transfer that to everything we interact with. And it's it's an unthinking task to transfer that same sort of interaction and projection onto pets as well. So it's the easy path, like you say. And it just so happens to be even easier because pets never contradict our projections, like we said. They aren't conscious beings in the same way that humans are. And so you know, so we have less tangible information to go on. A human, if we interpret, if we incorrectly interpret an angry human as a happy human, we're going to have a bad time. But if we incorrectly interpret, you know, a happy dog as angry or whatever, the bad, it's not going to be necessarily as bad of a time. I guess it can be if the dog bites you or something, but. Right. But I guess I'm talking about fulfillment, like, like the investment I put into an animal and then get the fulfillment. There's some short-term gains there. A dog, like, coming up and wagging his tail. So, like, it's such a, a burst for my day or such a good moment and um and what did i have to do to earn that not a whole lot other than just be and continue to feed them like set a system in place that i accept i accept the system of taking care of this dog and i get all these short-term bursts and boosts and so that but that's the difference though is that i would say animals are only capable of providing that short term and since right. we are sort of a uh you know we need immediate more. immediate satisfaction though we are we're a society of like i see you know now give me here now and so we mistake that for something more substantive and so if you don't get uh like you said if, if the dog doesn't object to your projections then you're allowed to think it's more substantive than it is so hmm. that's easy so do you think maybe what you're what you're talking about explains the, the rise in emotional support animals and you know, people's reliance on those emotional support oh, animals. Oh, yeah. It's also easy to, to, to say, hey, this dog is going to help me than to sort of, you know, just say I need to help myself too, right? right? Like, like it's, a, it's a trend. It's a psychological 
it's a psychology it's a crutch, trend. I think we're yeah. gonna. I think we're also gonna look back at it and see it as this hip flare up that like, well, look, it'll reach its norms. And I do believe animals have therapeutic uh, tendencies. I'm not denying this sort of stuff. They do. I they just clear, think we're like they, a little inflated right now. Yes, at their use of it. So, well, so or very I, inflated, perhaps. I think I think there's an an analogy to be drawn between a psychological uh, a therapeutic use of a pet and a therapeutic use of a drug. Um, they both have therapeutic properties, and you can rely on them genuinely to get you through a hard time. But they can also be abused, and I don't mean you know in terms of kicking your pet. I mean in terms of relying on them to give you more emotional support than you should you know than you should rely on them for yes, um, yes. your instant gratification thing that makes perfect sense to me like i think that i would suspect i don't know this and i didn't look it up but i would suspect the people with emotional support animals i would suspect they're going to need that emotional support animal for the rest of their life um you know at, at whatever level of uh, therapeutic nest the animal is providing they're going to need that forever like there's no healing from that situation just because of the animal like, it's not a cure it's just <laughs> it's not a cure it's just a coping mechanism it's yeah. just a coping mechanism right by um, the way you know people really uh mourn the loss of their pets and i think that's mm. that's fine and okay but now take your 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 animal that you've now equated with medicine <laughs> yes right <laughs> oh my gosh i can't see the grief like Dogs don't live that long, so you <laughs> you have yeah. this coping at animal basically, and when it dies, I mean, all hell's gonna break loose because you've basically oh. attached your mental health and, and, and interlaced animal. it to the animal in an explicit way. You've literally probably gotten some cards that say this is a, a therapeutic, you know, therapy dog or whatever. Sure. Like, oh my gosh, I think that that could be disastrous for like you know way outside what what typical mourning of a of an, you know a family animal or something would be. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that's part, that's a part of the problem of anthropomorphization is that you set yourself up for greater pain down the line. Yeah, um, you've, you've actually just and you're justified in it or you feel justified like this is my therapy dog and my therapy dog died. So I'm a I should spiral like yeah, I'm giving uh, if, my pers- permission to self to spiral and self-sabotage and whatever. If you're a dog mom and your fur baby dies then you feel the grief, some of the grief, that a mom might feel if her baby died. And I think that there's something not quite right about that. You know? do you, wait, do they try to combat this? I don't know about therapy world, but like, do they have some rotational thing on purpose? Like, don't have a therapy dog for more than a year so you can get used to sort of a rotational thing. I'm going to guess that's part of it. Like, outside of the abuse, it's rampant abuse. People take their pet animal and just get it deemed a therapy animal all the time but out, yes. but the, the more legitimate avenues uh, that you go to a service and say i want a therapy dog like I, i'm gonna guess they have a system where they say you're well then you get this dog for a year or something like that that's my i don't know but i that don't seems know. to be smarter yeah, that know. does seem smarter i uh i did i looked into service animals and therapy animals which are two distinct things okay, by the way I wouldn't know. well i mean i know there's service i guess for blind people and stuff that's more of a practice just a yes explicitly so, practical thing yeah so i i i'm i'm totally i have zero suspicion or cynicism about service animals that seems like a, a novel solution to you know a disability problem if you're blind and you have a seeing eye dog that's really kind of cool uh-huh. yeah but but if you have you know uh, an anxiety disorder and you have an emotional support 
uh, hamster or something that you carry around with you to the grocery store and to work and everything. I can't help but look at that and say, isn't there some other way that you know you might be able to 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 work through your problem and to strengthen yourself so that you don't have to rely on this emotional support hamster? Um, well, the answer is certainly yes. There's different ways, but what what why is that way? I guess for all the reasons we're kind of unpacking, but right, let me just the, pose it anyway. For why is that way bothersome to you? Well, it's only it's only bothersome because of the risks that it poses that we're talking about. If if maybe there is some service like you say that you know they give you this support animal for a year, um, that way you never have to experience the animals, or you hopefully don't have to experience the animal's death. Um, then then maybe that is a, a good therapeutic method as long as the understanding is that it's that it's a temporary measure that you eventually have to be weaned off of the same as any drug then i don't yeah. have any problem with it but but i think there are risks involved um and, and 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 let's also be clear most of the cases i'm talking about aren't people with diagnosed issues going to a professional and getting prescribed this Mo- most of the issues i'm talking about are people who don't have a diagnosed issue but probably do have an issue who are behaving this way with their pets and and is your worry that that maybe someone who's a little more fragile mentally fragile or whatever the term you want to use it's like the 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 world of pet ownership can exacerbate issues more than than solve them uh uh, yeah that's a concern yeah they can exacerbate issues um i think I guess really what my ultimate concern is, is that, you know, multiple times there, many people have observed the increasing trend of anxiety and other mental illnesses um, that we've seen in the past 10 to 15 years, especially in younger people, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't like that trend. I would like people to be generally healthier and happier and more well-adjusted for, for both my benefit and their benefit. And I think that if we have this instant gratification sort of coping mechanism in pets that doesn't show promise of long-term success, well, I think that's something that we should look at and go, oh, is this a thing we should be encouraging? Um, and so, yeah. like, I, I think, but again, I want to be absolutely clear. There's a distinction between healthy pet ownership, which I have zero problems with and think it can be a psychological boon, and unhealthy pet ownership which is what we're talking about. Um, I just think you have, I think it takes more knowledge and, and more awareness than we think it does to own a pet healthily. And I think it's the obliviousness thing. Again, I think people are oblivious to mm. the requirements of owning a pet and they can fall into this unhealthy pathological path of anthropomorphization without realizing it. I mean, I guess that's why you would, if you're going to be a responsible, healthy pet owner, you should have a conversation about the confines of like, what is our relationship yeah. with the pet going to be? Have like, a conversation with your pet. Spend? Have a conversation yeah. with your pet and say, no, pet, not, not, are not you? Pet. Oh, oh, okay. Got it. Sorry. Before getting the animal. Oh, oh, oh got it. Understood. Sorry. Just made a mistake uh, there. So. <laughs> well, well, I think, po- go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. Well, I thought popped in my head while you were talking about like, we're, this whole big discussion about mental health and, and and physical health and and part of like I think discussions around mental health are reasonably or relatively new and uh, my, sometimes the resistance we may have you know 
I don't know. It's just if you can't see it and it's tough yeah, to say and what's helping and it's really yeah. confusing and it's like how seriously should we take it? We don't know if you're just sort of what you're relying on. But but there's this uh, John Stuart Mill, the, the philosopher, he said, uh, yeah. ask yourself if you're happy and you cease to be so. And I've wondered about mm. this and like yeah. striving for mental health. Like we do like, have a ask society of plenty. And and we're yes we're society asking are we mentally healthy and it feels like we're ceasing to be so so I'm wondering I mean that, that's I think that's the spirit of his quote like if this if you're yeah. constantly obsessing about happiness or mental health and like and I wonder how much this fits in with dogs and or I keep saying dogs I know we're talking about animals more generally yeah. I'm sorry we you know for me I, I'm just I, filling it with dogs I, I think dogs are the primary you know type of pet where, where things can go they're wrong. The just pet. because they're just the because pet. just well not only are they i based on what i looked up uh they're the second most i i suspect the statistic but they're the second most popular pet after freshwater fish um oh, that's which, just because of ease of i guess so but even i just can't i can't imagine i don't i don't know that many people with aquariums but i guess if you have an aquarium you have multiple fish and it inflates the number i don't know whatever like dogs are like the second most popular pet apparently and so not only are they the most common but i think they're also one of the most expressive types of animals and so it's easy to project emotions onto them like a cat isn't as expressive as a dog I mean, they can be they can purr and all of that stuff but they're just not as expressive as a dog is yeah yeah um but but back to what you're the philosophical point that you're making I think can be broadened to, to talk about many other things. Like we're a society of plenty. There's not a lot of strife. Like we don't have any major just fatal flaws in our society. Uh, and so when we're in a place like that, we start to look for some flaws that we can, you know, we, we want utopia and we ask ourselves, are we in utopia? And then we find that we're not. And you know, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, we're not at war, so we'll go to war with each other. Not that we're not at war completely, but you know, we're not right. The daily person, the average American, is not experiencing this sort of, you know, wartime, and so yeah, we'll go to war with each other, and you see that playing out. Well, so. also imagine too this. I don't. I don't want to go down this route too much, um, but you know, there's people have also supposed that we kind of generally have a lack of purpose, and if you have a if you have a lack of purpose, and you don't have any major problems that you know are that you're having to put your uh, mental effort into. Then yeah. what are you gonna do? You know, you're going to catastrophize the small things, and you're going yeah, you to to make a purpose out of something. You're gonna make a purpose, whether or not you have one or not. You know, um, no, you and, are, and I think yeah. that can be unhealthy. Uh, so. Um, freaking well, pet owners pets suck not really <laughs> well, one thing one thing i was going to tack on to the end of what you said um is i i think it's it's darkly humorous that we are such a we're such a society of plenty that even our, our pets are obese like there are major pet obesity <laughs> problems uh, you know like people have to go get medication for their dogs to not doggy Xanax is a term I've heard. Oh yeah, doggy ADD. Like, like we're actually perpetuating our mental illness and fatness. Uh, sorry, people uh, of girthness. People of girth. Yeah. We have pets. Of, we have pogs. We have little pets of girth. 
running around <laughs> underneath That's us. True. We're pogs owning pogs. Pog pugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the title for this piece. Yeah. Pog pugs. Uh, Pets, like of Pets of girth. <laughs> anyway, like we're we're so fat and mentally ill that now our pets are becoming fat and mentally ill. Um, and that's just dark, but funny. Um, it it's yeah. The projection has become the reality. Now are we like we we're like oh we're struggling so so is our pet if we're projecting ourselves onto our pets right yeah and then they are they are getting fat and they oh. are getting unhealthy or oh, we're man. we're insisting that they are <clears throat> maybe they aren't I don't know I mean well, they're definitely like physically yeah getting big so there's no doubt but I meant like well that's just bizarre so maybe the projection is becoming the reality I don't know I don't know what to well, say well it's kind of a um, mind over matter thing right like if you if you believe something to be true, then you tend to bring it about. Wow. To an oh. extent. To an extent. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well that's a happy, that's happy way to end a happy podcast. Happy way to end. <laughs> Call it Humanity's a po- podcast. A po- <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. That's right. funny. A- anti-pog. Like, anyway. uh, 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 well, that's the end. That's the end. Do 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 woof 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 woof. Meow.